welcome for all the, all the family and friends who are not usually a part of Vintage and here for a baptism or dedication. Thank you for coming. I'm Steve Hambrick. I'm the pastor here at Vintage, and you are, we are very glad that you are here. And uh, we've been in a, a series called All In, what you see behind me on this board right here. It's a series called All In, that we believe God is, that is, God is doing a work in our lives of leading us what we call to our real life to our real life. And in this real life, we believe that God's called us to live for the purposes of his kingdom. If you've ever heard the Lord's prayer, you've heard it probably in your life, right? This is our Father in heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we believe that this idea of living our real life is this life that's lived for the purposes of bringing God's kingdom to earth as it's been spoken in heaven, that God has released something, he's spoken something, he's done something, and he wants now to, to release that here in our midst, and he wants to release that through us, right? That our lives of being Jesus to people and among people ultimately brings his kingdom as we live our lives of obedience and following him. And so we've talked about this idea that we want to be all in for this. Because I don't know about you, but I, I see lots of people every day who I'm not sure that they're living all in for the purposes of God, even though they call themselves Christians. That they live for other things. And we believe that God really in the season of, 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 of earth and the season of what he's doing among the earth, that this is a season where it's imperative that the church is all in. Listen, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to recognize that there are a lot of things talked about in the Gospels where Jesus speaks about these are the signs of the coming of the end of the age, be wars and rumors of wars, that sin will be at a new level, that we're living in an unprecedented season of brokenness and atrocity and sin across the world. Do I, if you were to ask me, do I think that Jesus is returning during this lifetime? Well, I would say yes, because every generation has thought that he's returning, because the desire of God is that we would all live as if he's returning tomorrow. And so when we live in this context of of our lives and what we're here for and the purposes of God and being all in, I want you to recognize that God's desire and his expectation, honestly, of the people of God is simple and clear. Hey, live as if I am returning tomorrow. Be one of the, the wise virgins who, who kept their lamp burning. That's the picture. That's the, the picture he's created. That we are people who are living, living prepared our lives in obedience, walking with Jesus, keeping in step with his spirit from the language of Galatians chapter 5. We, we now walk in the spirit, now keep in step with the spirit. And so we live in this day and age then that, that it's imperative, I would say, that we are all in. That we're all in to this real life. And we said that our real life is marked by three different things, for at least how we're defining it at Vintage. One is that we're living life in the context of family. We just looked at it. We all stood. Why did we stand? Because we believe in Joshua. We believe in dedication. We believe in his life. We believe that we want to come alongside and see him, see him, finish the race that he started. We want to be integral in making that happen. We want to invest into that. There's an intentionality of, of us investing into family, spiritual family, placing our family as, uh, in utmost importance, bearing one another's burdens so we can fulfill the law of Christ. So we're, we've called to live in this deep context of family. We pursue that. We go after that. We look for the last, last few weeks at 
discipleship. We believe that we're going to be about family. We believe believe we're going to be about discipleship. We are intentionally giving our lives to other people to help them grow and to mature in the things of Christ. Jesus had 12 disciples. He gave three years of his life. The last three years of his life were devoted not just to the 12, but to the women that were around him and others who came along and followed them. He devoted his life and the best of his energies to intentionally investing into others for the purpose of of seeing them raised up and released. And the third component we're going to dive into this morning is we believe we're then called to live a life of mission. So we have family, discipleship, and mission. And where all of those meet in the middle, that's where our real life is. But last week we said, hey, in the context of life, and I think all of us get this very this practically speaking, that when we live our lives, that there are those moments when difficulty and hardship come, right? They can come in just a, a many different forms, unlimited numbers of forms. And it could be internal, it could be spiritual, it could be physical, all of these things that, that are difficult. Difficulties in our life, hardships in our life, things that are overwhelming for us. And in those moments, we said, whether it's in the call to discipleship or the call to parenting, in those difficult moments, in those difficult seasons, it is, in, it is, it is important that we said we press pause. That we press pause, right, on life. And the, and the purpose of our pause is so that we can recenter, refocus, and be recommissioned. That the idea of pausing in life, pausing in, our, in the journey, and say, I want to recenter on, I want to recenter in the direction of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but in my life, there are moments that arise that try to steal my vision of Jesus and cause it to focus on other things. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room like that, right? No, these moments that that something happens, something arises, something goes on in my life, and I move my affection or I move my eyesight from Jesus, and in that moment I press pause and say, God, Recenter me on you and help me to refocus on the beauty of Jesus, to refocus on the love of Jesus, to refocus on the overwhelming power of the living Creator God. So in my life, I am recentering, refocusing on Jesus because, listen, when I, re- when I see Jesus, listen, when I see Jesus, all of a sudden everything becomes possible. Because he's always the object of our faith, isn't he? So when I recenter and refocus, I'm like, oh, oh, there you go, right? Now I can continue to live. Now I can continue to move forward as long as I see Jesus. And in that moment of recentering and refocusing, then I have what I call a recommissioning. A recommissioning, this idea of then being sent out again in obedience to Jesus, following him, doing what he's called us to do. This recommissioning, the idea of a recommissioning is because I have been commissioned. I have been sent. I have been sent, quote unquote, with a mission. Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. We looked at this. And so last week he said that in Acts 4, after facing the difficulty of persecution, right, the disciples, they ran to their spiritual family. It says that they went back to their brothers. They went back to their brethren, depending on what translation you have. Right? They went back to their people. 
And it says they paused. They didn't use that word. That's what they did. They say, stop. So we've got to pray. We've got to recenter and refocus. And so they began to pray to God. And I want you to pick it up here with me here in verse uh, 24. It says, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, all-powerful, all-consuming God, the one who's in control at all times in every situation. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit to the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage? This is what David said. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen now. In this moment, now, in our moment of pausing, refocusing, and recenter now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So in this moment, difficulties come, hardship has come, persecution has come, right? In the midst of their life, there's struggle, and there's hardship. And what do they do? They press pause, they recenter, and they refocus on Jesus, right? They needed him. In this moment of life, have you ever reached that moment where it's just too much? It's overwhelming. You can't move forward. You feel stuck. It's overwhelming. The only thing that's going to bring a release and a breakthrough is recentering, refocusing on Jesus. We cannot follow him. We cannot be obedient to him. We cannot live for him. We cannot walk and live by the Spirit unless we have our eyes and our gaze recentered and refocused on Jesus. Those who are really walking in obedience to God, there's an intentionality every day, several times Times a day of recentering and refocusing. It's not just once a week, it's an everyday God, because the closer, the harder, the harder, quote unquote, that I live for Jesus, you know what I mean by that, right? The greater intentionality, the greater purpose of following Him. Listen, number one, all hell breaks loose around me, doesn't it? Because I've said before, and I'll say it again. When the feet of a man or woman of God touch the floor in the morning, the demons in hell tremble because they just saw someone awake who they fear. When we live our lives for Jesus, we become ones that the enemy is afraid of and moves against, practically speaking. And we live in this moment now of following and being obedient. It's imperative in those moments, right, of recentering, refocusing. Because when we live our lives for Jesus, I don't know about y'all, but he calls us to do some crazy things sometimes. Crazy things. Things that are scary. Things that are a little bit overwhelming. And in those moments, if I'm not centered and focused on Jesus, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do it. And we live in this place of being overwhelmed. And so the disciples here at the moment, persecution, they recenter, they refocus. But here's the beautiful piece. They expected to be recommissioned. There's an expectation. They're saying, now, Lord, verse 29, now, Lord, after all, the nations are raging against us. 
I mean, that's a pretty big statement, right? The nations, the raging, the very ones who killed Jesus are threatening us. Now, Lord, consider their threats and recommission us. Enable your servants to continue to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you see this expectation of mission, of being recommissioned, of, of, of living their life for the purposes of God, to bring his kingdom on earth as it's been spoken in heaven? This morning, we are shifting our eyesight. We're shifting our call now and this understanding to the understanding of God's call for mission for us. The mission that God has you on every day, that your life does not belong to you, that your time does not belong to you, that you now live walking with God, serving him. Listen, the idea of getting baptized is I'm going down into death and I'm raised to a new life that 100 percent belongs to the purposes of God. I'm ready to go down into death and I'm raised to life. Listen, not so I can live a happy life. Listen, God is not, does not raise you up to give you happiness. God raises you up to live a life that leads to death. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus bids a man come or a woman to come, he bids them to come and to die. To die to their purposes, to die to their stuff, to die to their own callings. Say, God, now whatever you have for me. If you weren't sold this bill of goods about being a Christian, then you were not sold the gospel. Because the gospel is not about so you can get out, of, get out of hell. The gospel is about dying to yourself for the purposes of God and living for him every day on the mission of making disciples of all nations. Starting next door. Starting at Walmart, if you shop there. The mission. Listen, all of us understand the idea of a mission, right? It's an important assignment given to us that we need to carry out. Think Mission Impossible. Mission. Right? Mission Impossible. You remember? Like, you're given a mission, and guess what? The mission always is more important than your life. People died doing Mission Impossible, right? We believe soldiers in our armed forces should be willing to give their life to conquer the enemy who's keeping us from experiencing freedom. We expect them to die for us, don't we? We expect them to be willing to die. Listen, if you raise that, listen, if an arm, listen, if you salute someone because you know what's supposed to do when, an, when, a, when someone in the armed forces comes walking by, it's because you believe their life and their mission is of utmost importance and you want to honor them because they're willing to die for you. And Jesus just simply says, that's what it means to have a mission for me. You're dying to yourself. You're dying to your own dreams and your own aspirations so I can give you mine, which bring my kingdom. We have a mission. 
The mission is important. It's of utmost importance. It is to define our existence. Christopher Wright wrote this. The mission, the mission is God's. The marvel is that God then invites us to join in. The mission of, of saving the world, either up there, the mission of saving the world, of bringing Jesus to the world, that's God's mission. He simply invites us into it. That's what we see pictured in John chapter 20, verse 12. It says this, as the Father, listen, this is a simple verse that's overwhelming. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In like manner, in the same form in which Jesus sent the Father, he's now sending us. Jesus was here for a period of time, 33-something years, right? And then the rest of the time, the mission God gave him is now ours. So the mission of Jesus has been transferred to us. So let's look at this a few verses this is a, from Scripture to kind of paint the picture of Jesus' mission. John chapter 6, verse 38, starting in verse 38, going to verse 40. You can read along in your Bible if you want. You can highlight it. You can look on the screen. For I have come down from heaven. Jesus speaking, right? Not me. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Stop. Jesus didn't do his own will. He did the will of the one who sent him, Father, right? And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up for the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Do you see the will of the Father? That none should perish. That I live my life for the dying, those that are in need. Right? Jesus says, that's the will of the Father. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I've been sent to fulfill. John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. What's the will of the Father? That he should be a light shining into the darkness of those who do not know him. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. This is from Isaiah. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Than to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so he's coming and saying, here, Jesus has a mission. He's come to do the will of the Father. It's active. It's, it's, a, it's a life sacrifice and given away for the purposes of God, right? So in John 20, Jesus is passing his mission to his disciples. Deliberately and precisely, Jesus is making his mission the model of ours. And so when we talk about mission... Don't think Blues Brothers want a mission from God, all right? I mean, we're thinking the mission of Jesus, that the Father has sent him here to fulfill. And Jesus says, as the Father sent me with this mission, I have now handed the mission to you, and it now belongs to you. Jesus was sent by the Father. I've always, always felt that the scripture that most succinctly expresses the mission of Jesus' sending, a.k.a. our mission, is Luke 19.10. It's real simple. It says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
I love that. The mission of Jesus most succinctly stated is Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was the mission of Jesus. It's now our mission to go after, to pursue, to seek. I mean, you recognize the word seek as a very proactive, not stationary word, right? Like this intentional investing in my life. And listen, I'm going to press pause real quick for all of you good Baptists out there. But that's what I grew up in. Grew up as a great Southern Baptist. I, when I was 14, I remember praying one time saying, Jesus, I know you love all Christians, but I don't know if you come back to earth, you'd be a Baptist. That was my prayer. I was 14, right? And I remember growing up, and the idea of seeking and saving the lost meant that I've had a conversion experience with someone, and then I released them, and just some sort of figurative person within the church would then disciple them. But the idea of Jesus is he saved them, and then he said, follow me. Or the disciples went and did ministry, right? There's this beauty of not just a conversion, but a conversion which led to discipleship of them being transformed into the image of Christ over a period of time. And so what we see here in this mission is saying, listen, as I am sent, as I was sent, I'm now sending you to make disciples. For there had to be a salvation moment, right? We share the gospel. Give your life to Christ, a conversion experience. We celebrate that as part of the discipleship, the beginning of the discipleship process. And then there's the intentional giving of my life away on behalf of a person so they can be shaped into the image of Jesus. A son of man came to seek and to save the lost, right? This mission, it's, 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 it's the primary focus is always, listen, it's always outside of self and it's focused on the spiritual needs of others. And to read this, says the life of Jesus is represented. It's not on the screen, so just pay attention. The life of Jesus is represented as being active in the world at large and not in religious settings. It was among ordinary people of all sorts, not just believers, and in particular as reaching out to those beyond the normal scope and influence of the religious establishment. You see that. You see it. He was reaching those on the outskirts, on the margins, on the edges, specifically sinners and those who you think are dying and going to hell. And he was spending all of his time and energy with them. And he was being kind to them and rebuking people inside the four walls. Oh, Pharisees, you brood of vipers. He was giving his life away to those that are in need. Jesus' early nickname was a friend of sinners and is transforming the Gospels from a term of abuse into a badge of honor and a badge of respect. This is the mission. You know, I had a, there was a professor one time, he put, a, he put a whiteboard up. He looked at people and said, let's talk about your churches real quick. He said, we're going to put... Um, we're going, to put, uh, we're going to put a line in the middle, and on one side, it's going to say, programs for those inside the church. So on this side, we're going to put programs for those outside of the church. 
tell me what goes on in your church. So we have prayer on Tuesday nights. That's for believers, all right? We have Bible studies. That's for believers, right? Okay. We have Sunday morning church services. Uh, in all honesty, those are for believers because we use insider language. It makes no sense to anyone out there. I say glory. They go, what? Right. I say holy. They go jeans. Right. They have no idea what these words mean. So it's for it's for it's for it's for insiders. Though, right. And so they create this whole long list of stuff that we do inside the church. It says now name the things you do for those outside. And he said it was like always 20 to one. Which shows that the primary energy throughout the, the church for ever how many years now is that the primary energies of our programs and activities are for those that are inside of the church. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous to salvation. I came to call sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's those who are sick. We are called. We are on a mission from God. And Jesus has pictured this for us, right? It's the picture. I love this. I love this in Acts 4. In the midst of their hardship, the disciples did not lose sight of their commitment to the mission of God. The mission of God, it's, it defined their life. They said, God, consider their threats and let us kick butt and take names. In the name of Jesus... Because every demon in hell is going to tremble when our feet touch the ground when we wake up this morning. Acts chapter 5, we see it continue on. I want you to see this, right? Their commitment hits and their difficulty in Acts 5. They continue to do crazy things. Acts chapter 4 is where you see people laying their sick on the street in hopes that Peter's shadow just would touch him, touch them for healing working of a miracle, they only probably placed it in Scripture because it probably happened. Crazy things happening. I keep on trying to create my shadow for people, and nothing's happening yet, right? But I want it to. That'd be awesome. Right? Things are happening here. And the religious leaders, again, they get upset. They get upset, right? So in verse 40 of Acts 5, they called the apostles in, and this time they beat the stew out of them. They had them flogged. Before, it was like a verbal lashing. Now it's a physical lashing. All right? They called the apostles in. They Listen, just a chapter before, they prayed, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. So they are still doing it, right? They called them in, had them flogged, and they ordered them again not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go, right, walking away bloody. Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace and hardship and difficulty for the name of Jesus. And look at this, verse 42. Talk about being on a mission from God day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, right? Just going from house to house. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I love this, because if I got beat up for the name of Jesus, I'd be hard-pressed to go back into the beater-uppers and keep on proclaiming the name of Jesus. But here they are, the beater-uppers, continually sharing and 
living out the mission of God, even in its difficulty and in its hardship, it defined their life and everything that they understood about themselves was defined by the mission of God. So our three takeaways this morning, number one, the mission of Jesus, it is our mission. The mission of Jesus is our mission. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus had a clear mission to seek after, even listen, with listen, this is important to with the listen to go on the mission of God with the expectation of suffering for the name of Jesus, suffering for obedience to Jesus. Doesn't suffering take on a different picture in our culture? We suffer internally. We suffer from we suffer from from having to live separate and different from other people, right? It looks different, but listen, there is our own hardship and our own listen, we have to figure out, God, what does that look like and what am I afraid of? Because God, I've called to live the mission of Jesus. The second thing, the mission of Jesus must be our greatest priority. The story of the earliest disciples was simple. Their call to Jesus' mission, listen, it trumped everything else in their life. It trumped college football for them. It trumped donkey races back in the day. I just made that up, okay? I have no idea they had those. They're kind of fun, right? It trumped everything that they did, right? It did, listen, the mission of God, they, were, they went down into death to their own stuff, and they were raised to a new life in obedience to Jesus, and it now defined their existence. It was their greatest priority. Listen, it was the lens, the mission of God became the lens of the glasses that they wore every day. Sometimes our recentering and refocusing is because we've lost sight of the mission and we live only for self or we live for our kids or we live honestly for honest. We live for our neighbors so that they think that we're cool. We live for our job that we can be seen as someone important that we can climb that ladder and look down at the small people. We live for ourselves, and the idea is living with the mission as our primary priority. And the third thing, the mission of Jesus is all about outsiders. Archbishop William Temple said this. I love this. The church is the only organization that exists for the sake of its non-members. You like that. We like that until we take away the things that you think define church. Until church doesn't look the way you want it to look. Your time doesn't look the way you want it to look. You're like, why don't you have this Bible study? Why don't you have this prayer group? And I'm like, why don't you go out to people who don't have the Bible? Don't Listen, stop inviting people to four walls. Four walls are weird for people. They get into a box and they have, like, music and singing and people who are, like, Christians trying to act all cool and have fog machines and big lights thinking that helps people get to Jesus? That's stupid. They come to Jesus 
Because someone who is a believer lives on mission at loving them with everything they have inside of them. And Jesus says they will know that you're Christians by the way that you lend love one another in your family. If you want to have a great church service, get outside the four walls. Start loving people with other believers and see how this thing happens of you being Jesus to people and the gospel being spoken and the love of Jesus being poured out and people going, no Christian's ever been nice to me. No Christian's ever told me that my life is worth something. No Christian has ever looked at me as if they're not better than me, right? As if I'm a project to be fixed. But you're loving me for who I am right where I am, not telling me I have to change first, but just inviting me into your life and telling me you love me. That's a pretty cool mission. Be like Jesus. Make, if you want to be like Jesus, make all those. Listen, Jesus had every sinner think that he was awesome and want to be with him 24-7. Do you hang out with sinners who all they want to do is just be around you because they think that you're awesome because you're different? The mission of Jesus is all about outsiders. That's what we do. So when we talk about living life in family. Well, that's part of it. Hey, we're part of a family. We're encouraging. We're supporting. We're doing life together because in the mission, it's hard. Single people, excuse me, people living by themselves, right, just by themselves with no family are going to get picked off. It's only as we have those encouraging and supporting us around us who love us, who pray for us when we're being obedient and it's overwhelming. We do discipleship. We give our life away to those that are broken, hurting, and in need. And we're focusing our primary energies on outsiders because that's the mission of Jesus. And it's going to make this look different. As in not necessarily here inside the four walls. It's going to make us, our life, look different. Fog machines don't make Christians. Jesus makes Christians. And he did it outside of the four walls, going house to house, loving people, going from place to place to place to place. And the mission is no different for us. This should be a fun conversation in your small groups this week. Because to be honest, I'm not great at this. And most of us aren't. Because we were trained our entire life, we've been Christians, that church is what happens right here. And church is not a noun. It is a verb. It's a people in action, living on mission, being Jesus. Listen, like I said two weeks ago, if you think, listen, if someone says, how is vintage? And you talk about what you liked and disliked about worship and what you liked and disliked about my message, then you don't have a clue what church is. You should be talking about how's church. Church is great. I've been loving my neighbors. This person's so difficult to be Jesus to, but I'm, I'm recentering and refocusing every day of my life to be Jesus to them. And I would ask you to please pray for me because I need family to encourage that. Help me because I want to see them come to Jesus and I'm not going to give up loving them until I see breakthrough or until God moves them away from me. And that's how you answer how church is going. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your time. That, God, you've given us the best of yourself to us. 
Father, we just recognize this morning that we've been taught about mission as usually being missionaries going across, going overseas, and we forget to actually know we walk out our door today and we walk onto a mission field. And so, Father, this morning, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking Jesus that you would awaken us to truth. That you'd awaken us to the power of your spirit. You'd awaken us to the calling of Jesus. And, Lord, I ask today as we come into these baptisms, God, that they become a moment of celebration. Father, we love you. God, I pray you'd help us today to begin this conversation about mission and to embrace it well. We pray this in your name. Amen.